Welcome to Just Drifting. I'm Dave Sento. And having watched every single movie he's ever seen again, just to make sure that he didn't miss one, Danny Lemon. How you doing, Danny? You know, coffee is one hell of a drug, and I haven't slept for the past 11 days, but that's, that's good. I can't tell what's real anymore. Commitment. That's commitment to the pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because we are going over our top 10 movies of all time today, here in the morning again, this AM. How do you feel about your list, Dan? I feel pretty good about it. I whittled it down from, because when I was coming up with my list, I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to just be like, all right, this is number one. This is number two. So I was just like, I'm just going to start listing a bunch of movies that I really like. And I got to almost 20 movies uh, doing that and then whittled it down to what I consider my top 10 favorite or all time. So they may not line up with your Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic or whatever um, site you like to use to judge movies, but this is more so personal top 10, and I'm excited about it. I, I, I like the list that I came up with. I'm excited because of it's going to be a good way to show how two people who really like movies like completely different movies. Because yeah. I think our lists are going to not have a lot of crossover. We went over our honorable mentions before, and that had no maybe one or two crossovers in that. So I'm excited to see how our lists compare. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, I think we both went more our favorite movies rather than the greatest movies of all time. Like We weren't trying to look at it objectively at all. We were going through to see what our favorite movies were. Did you find that you were coming up with movies when you were trying to list out all the ones that uh, that you really, really liked? Did you find that you were coming up on movies that you did really like, but you didn't feel were worth putting on your short list? Yes. Like, I didn't even write them down, I think. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I do really like that one, but I'm not even going to write it down for it to be an honorable mention. Not that I had that in mind yet, that we would do like an honorable mentions part. But yes, there were a few like that. Um, yeah, I felt that I way like, too. I do really like that movie, but yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Okay, let's. I think we should get into it because I think this is going to take a long time. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. long this episode is yeah. going to no. end up being, but yeah. Um, no time to no time to dilly dally. Yeah. Do you want to? Okay, so we're going to start off with some honorable mentions. Uh, I read you a long list of honorable mentions that I had. But I don't think we need to go through all of them, but maybe a couple here. Uh, What's one that sticks out to you as a big honorable mention that you didn't didn't get to fit into your 10? Well, I think I'll go with, because when I'm looking at my honorable mentions, there's a few, right, that like almost in categories of like reasons that I knocked them off the list, right? Because you're whittling it down. Yeah. So three for me that kind of fall into the, they're still newer movies like ones that might be on my top 10 list in another five years because i've watched them another 15 times yeah um so that would those three that i have that would fall into that kind of category is um birdman Mm -hmm. mr right and about time 
Um, okay. Mr. Right and About Time, I've only just seen this year. Uh, and Birdman was, that was a close one. Probably would be in that uh, 10 to 13 range, but same same sort of thing. Only seen it a handful of times at this remind point. Me, remind me what Mr. Right was again. That is a uh, Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick joint. Kind of um, like, a, just like a B action romance comedy movie. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I need to need to check that one out. I love Sam Rockwell. Um, oh my gosh, yes. There's he, a uh, separate list I can do for Sam Rockwell movies. He made it onto my... I'm seeing here. one. He made it into one honorable mention here because he's on he's in the green mile of course one of his uh, that's got to be one of his earlier sense. roles right but yeah uh it must be yeah okay so that was one of your things that ended up knocking some movies into the honorable mention category was there another specific one um i think one that um I had a hard time with that. I think it was right at the 10, 11 cutoff was uh, the Sandlot. And I, it was almost just that I had to flip a coin in my head, but with some of the criteria that we'll kind of go into here in a second, I ended up choosing the movie that's number 10 on my list over the Sandlot um, just for some of those reasons. But did you Sandlot's did you find classic. that nostalgia was a big factor in in your uh, decision making process here? Um, a little bit, yeah. I would say it's definitely a factor. I wouldn't, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a factor. Yeah, probably I, not I like was, an overwhelming one, but yeah. I was finding that also because I feel like, and I mean, you'll be able to see it once you get to my list. And some people that know me know what's coming when it comes to this list, but. Uh, I think it's it's funny how many movies could be your favorite movies if you just saw them a hundred times, I feel like. Yeah, and at the same time, the there is it is I will start the sentence in the same way that you just did. It's also funny how some movies can be your favorite movies just depending on like if you saw them in like the exact right context at the exact right time or stumbled upon them in the exact right way. Yeah, the you need to be them, be it. with them in the right moment in your life uh, with the right people can be mm-hmm. a big factor there. That mm-hmm. was one, so you mentioned in your, uh, before we started talking that one of your runners up was Annie Hall, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um. The last time I watched that movie, I was watching it with someone that didn't like it, and it almost soured the... Int- I mean, it it stopped that... F- I think that's what stopped it from getting onto my uh, my runners-up, <laughs> right. honestly, was just the last time I watched it. person I, wa- I watched it with didn't like it, and I didn't enjoy it because they didn't like it. And I've watched that movie with people that loved it before, and if I had skipped over that last one... I think it'd be on, at the very least, my short list. It might even have been in my top 10. It's kind of crazy how big of a swing that was. Uh, when I was listing off my honorable mentions before to make sure we didn't have any, you know, that we were going to step on the top yeah. 10 list, that was the one that I thought might be on your top 10 list. Right? Okay, yeah. That's that's valid. It's totally reasonable to think that. It's, it's interesting. One of my other ones that's on my... Uh, that's on my honorable mentions list that I feel like I need to call out because of the fact that 
it it had a big influence on me i feel is history of the world part one by mel brooks have you ever seen that movie i haven't but woo someone was talking about it on a recent podcast i was listening to and it made me really want to check that out you absolutely should because it's it's hilarious I will admit, I haven't seen it in a while, and it was very, very funny to 11-year-old Dave, <laughs> whether or not it's, it would still be quite as fun. I mean, Mel Brooks is a comic genius, so I would still think it would hold up, but I haven't seen it in a while, so I'll, I'll give that caveat there. But one of the big things about it was that it really, it really gave me the understanding that you can do anything in a movie. It was one of those movies that absolutely threw out the rule book. And I don't I honestly don't know the timeline of when that movie came out versus some Monty Python movies versus um, some of his other movies where he also did completely ridiculous things. But it was one of the first movies that I saw where that was done, where just absurdity was taken to such a new level and the storyline was thrown out. Essentially, the way the movie is structured is it, it goes through... The history of the world and it starts um back at caveman times and then it jumps forward to jesus and it jumps forward to the romans and like it does a bunch of different uh sections but mm. it's just it's just not structured the way a normal movie structured and it, it was it was an eye-opening experience for me to say oh this is totally different than what i've ever seen before uh and it was hard to put on my top 10 top 10 because like i said i haven't seen it in a long time and I mean, I think it's a great movie, but the other ones that I have up here, I think, are better. But still, it was it was kind of a formative moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's similar to some of the reasoning that I had Sandlot off my top ten was I haven't seen it in a long time. And I feel like currently I would watch it and be like, man, that's a great movie. I really like that movie. It would, when I was a kid, it was absolutely my favorite movie. Um, but I don't know if now it would be in my top 10. Like if I watch all my top 10, including that one, would I rank in the top 10? And I think that was probably the criteria that I must have like used without knowing to make that cutoff. What was, what was your favorite movie? Uh, and if it's in your top 10, then I guess we don't have to, we'll, we'll wait. But what was mm. your favorite movie when you were a kid that you were like so little that you couldn't work the VCR yet yourself. Like mom, you need to put this movie on for me every day of the week. Do you, did you have one of those? Oh man. Do you have one lined up? Is that why you're asking? Yeah, I do. Let me and think it's, for a second. And Go ahead and say what yours is. Well, <laughs> I'm wondering if, uh, so this was, and I didn't watch this movie every single day, but my mom will tell me that it was my favorite movie when I like, like I'm saying, like when I couldn't even remember it, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That was my favorite. Nice. Yeah. I like the classics, man. Nice. Oh, man. Couldn't use the VCR. Probably Aladdin. Yeah. It's a good I one. I think, yeah. Yeah, probably Aladdin. Aladdin was one I never had on VHS, so I don't, I, like, it took me a long time to see mm. it all the way through. Right, so you had a weird relationship with Aladdin. There you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> let's ex- let's explore that. <laughs> no, let's, let's um, not. <laughs> are there any other honorable mentions that stick out to you, or were hard to wrestle with, cutting off from your final top ten list? 
yeah, I'll run through a couple real quick here, and then I think then we can get into the meat of the list. Yeah. Um, do you want to just do you want to just do a quick run through of all yours, just so we know where we're at, and then touch on those ones that you want to mention? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, um, the 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 follow the runners up that I had, the Sting, History of the World Part One, Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption, Godfather, which was really hard not to put on the list, uh, Blues Brothers, Days and Confused, Two Thousand One: Space Odyssey. Shining, The Act of Killing, Full Metal Jacket, Catch Me If You Can, Following, Vertigo, The Birds, Rear Window, There Will Be Blood, Blazing Saddles, Cool Hand Luke. So when it comes to that, obviously The Godfather was insanely hard not to put on my top 10. That would probably be in the top, at the very least, two to three if I was doing greatest movies of all time rather than my favorite movies of all time. I probably Mm -hmm. haven't seen it enough times to really put it on my top 10. Uh... Shawshank and Green Mile were really hard not to put on there as well. Those were um, Green Mile was one of the first movies that I saw that I considered to be an adult movie. Like I felt very right. I felt yes. very mature yeah, when I watched it. Yeah, um, it's something about Tom Hanks because I felt the same way about Forrest Gump. Yeah, no, I that's I, I believe that entirely. That's he 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 does that I guess. <laughs> um, Two thousand one Space Odyssey is probably like the best sci fi movie of all time. But at the same time, it's it's very long and it's very dense. Uh, so I don't know if I would just pop it on just mm-hmm. randomly during the day just to, to kill some time. The Act of Killing is probably the best documentary I've ever seen. It was extremely chilling and uh, affecting. Have, but have, you not, have you not watched that 20 times? No. No, I have not seen that one 20 times, which is, okay. again, a reason not to throw it on there. Um and then the only other thing I'd mention is that I didn't end up with a Hitchcock movie on my top 10, which was, right? Yeah, which was hard to do as well. Hitchcock's like one of my favorite directors, and I love so many of his movies, but they just didn't crack that spot. I think uh, Rear Window was going to be the closest, or Vertigo, mm. Rear Window or Vertigo, both going to be really close up there to being on that list, but didn't quite make it. Yeah. Full Metal Jacket is one that I feel like I should have had on my honorable mentions list because I think it's probably my favorite war movie. Um, but it just didn't come into my head. But it's another one that like I've only seen a handful of times. And yeah. I don't uh, think, we watched that. I feel like we watched um, that a few times in college, right? Or did we, we watched it at least once. At least once. Uh, yeah. But yeah, great, great movie. Yeah. Okay. You want to... You want to start us off? You want to give us your your tenth pick? Um. Yes, but let's just give quick shouts to. Oh yeah, I think the only one that hasn't been mentioned from my honorable mentions because I think I covered my the other three and Annie Hall. You had the other, but the Breakfast Club just because mm. I feel Great like um, there's a certain type of way that you can view what a movie is and breakfast club does that sort of does a version of a movie that like might be like a, almost a perfect movie in some ways, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, very character driven. Yeah. Um, just, I, I mean, you know, other movie, like other movies have it reference it so often. I mean, it's just, 
obviously anyone who's seen it, seen it knows how fantastic it is. But I just wanted to give it give it its honorable mention. So it it, yeah. it was mentioned. We're giving it it was mentioned as much honor as honors. we can, can stuff into it. <laughs> as we can bestow upon it with our power as the hosts of Just Drifting. Which is almost you are now none. officially almost officially a drifter. Um But yeah, let's 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 get started here. I'm excited for this. So, I am too. I especially because I have absolutely no idea what you're going to say. Oh, I, it's you must be on the edge of your seat. But I feel like you probably know a little bit right more in, about what you're gonna say before I before I get right into the list. Let's. I just want to quickly throw out sort of the criteria that I I'd sent you uh, yesterday. I kind of loosely came up with a couple things when I was trying to think of like what what makes these before we get started, right? Saying what the movies that we've chosen. So two things that I was thinking of sort of simultaneously among some other things that I'm sure you'll mention. Mm-hmm. Um, one is like someone's like, hey, we're watching this movie tonight. You want to come and like you have like maybe another plan or weren't planning on doing anything and you're like, oh no, I actually am going to change what I'm doing because I'm going to go see that movie tonight. I'll totally go do that. So that was one. And the other one, which I am very proud of coming up with this little um, nugget <laughs> here. Um, you're trying to figure out a movie to watch with someone and you say, hey, have you seen this movie? And they say, no, I haven't. How excited you get to show them slash watch them and almost watch it with them, watch them watch it, you know, that sort of like, oh, I get to sort of experience this for a first time again because I get to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it, fact. Yeah. Um, which played in fairly heavily, I think, in my list. Yeah, I I, uh, I really like that. I think that's a really great way to distill that down. I would say on the other side of that coin is, is in a very similar way, is when you tell somebody, like ask somebody if they've seen that movie and then they say no and you get both sad for them and then at the same time jealous that they get to see the movie for the first time yeah 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 very similar vein but yeah Mm -hmm. i I like i like those criteria a lot i wasn't i didn't have those specifically in my head when i was going through mine but when i think about it i think all my movies fit in that way and i think that it's uh i i think that they're they kind of came out of that same cloth what was what were some of the things that you had in mind when you were developing your list the one of the big ones because obviously the first thing i thought of was what are movies that i absolutely love and right one of the big factors that helped me call a lot of the ones that i was thinking of out of my list was do i remember every single scene in this movie and right, if that was it, yeah. i hadn't seen enough hadn't seen it enough times to be able to think i can like frame for frame just tell you what happened in this movie right this second then mm-hmm. that was almost enough to be like, okay, it's not even gonna, not even gonna be a factor here. So that was my. And so that was more of things. a that was you said more of like a culling factor, right? Like, or do you actually remember frame for frame your top ten? Uh, I would. It was. I remember most of them pretty much frame for frame based on what I have here. I not all of them, but I not frame for frame. But maybe close to scene for scene, at least. I've seen them enough mm-hmm. times to be able to be like, I can plot out this movie 
right now right. and not like yeah. forget a major subplot that i could have easily mm-hmm. forgotten in like when i was just just now trying to list off what happened in history of the world part one i remember like three of the things but there were definitely multiple other yeah. scenes that i just totally missed um mm-hmm. things like that like and and there were movies that i could have done that with that didn't make it on uh green mile and shawshank being two of the ones that i've seen right. so many times that for sure i could do that but yeah um, and in the same way that you mentioned how like my criteria fits yours i think that sort of fits with my top 10 as well the being able to remember the scene or at the very least the uh what do you call them it's like a little a little bigger an outline yet like the scene like the um, the movements i guess of the uh of the movie so um but yeah let's i guess let's get started here you're a you're a man who at one point was trying to watch all the afi's top 100 movies so i think our lists are gonna be very interesting i'm very excited to see did you ever finish that i'm embarrassed to say that i did not i Probably like I you were so, like you were at like eighty five like freshman year of college. I know I have probably like five movies left, and I just have never, never fought to do it. I, there's really no reason why I shouldn't. I should just at some point, just maybe this winter, I'll, I'll just buckle down and watch one every week and get done with it soon. But yeah, I think I'm you better. get up to you get up to ninety nine, and then you stop. Yeah, you know, just like become more famous like those like, baseball players that don't quite get into the Hall of Fame but should be. <laughs> Fuck Sophie's Choice. I'm not watching that. Yeah. You'll be the Mike Mussina of film watchers. <laughs> okay, let's let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. So number I'm 10. I'm itching. For me. Um, it's going to be The Prestige. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I didn't have a Christopher Nolan movie. Not that that was the reason I had to, but I was like, as I was thinking of like, what movies are I? I was like, oh, I love nolan's movies and when i was thinking about his films i thought i think the prestige is my favorite one i remember it might have been the first amazing twist in a movie that i ever saw right yeah i'm sure there were other ones but this one made teenage danny feel very smart about you know seeing this movie you know so okay i think that this is a this is and this isn't going to happen every time but uh this is a great moment to to bring in my 10th because they're so (laughs) on the same page my 10th was memento so we both had nolan movies as our 10 um and it was the same deal it was that was uh, the same way that i said about history of world part one memento kind of showed me that you could do anything with a movie when i first Mm -hmm. saw memento i was in high school and i didn't like I wasn't as into film. It was one of the first movies I saw that I was like, "Oh shit!" Like you can just do whatever you want and make a movie out of it. And if you're clever and you can put things together in the right way, it can be amazing. And that was uh, that was one of the another formative moment I thought for me. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if i saw the prestige in the theaters i want to say i did i remember like seeing like trailers for it and being like oh they have light bulbs in the ground like i don't know what's going on in this, <laughs> this movie it's called the prestige what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like and like i didn't know who christopher nolan was as a person yeah. like 
like, oh, Chris, like probably until freshman year of college when you guys are like, oh, Christopher Nolan did Memento. And like, <laughs> I was like, what's yeah, we, Memento? We were um, big on Nolan back then. Still am, I guess, but. <laughs> yeah. So. Wait. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, what year did that come out? 2006. I want to say it was 07. Close. It was 06. I just Googled it. 06, um, 07. Okay, yeah. I have a little Google open, little IMDb open here. So I'm ready to go if need be. So that came out before I saw Memento, because I saw Memento first senior year of high school, which so mm-hmm. which was 2010. Uh, that was I remember watching it because I watched it in a film class that I took, which was the first film class I ever took, and it was Mr. Cole, I believe it was. That class was big for me, and yeah, mm-hmm. being able to to talk about movies that kind of just took things the way they normally were and twist them on their head and say, oh, we're just going to film this movie backwards. I thought that was that was insane and awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say on the prestige. That's funny that we both had a Nolan movie at number 10. I was psyched when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah. I wonder, that'd be funny if they all matched up, like, it was, like... Oh, my gosh. Perfectly all the way back. Uh, (laughs) That'd be amazing. Okay, number nine. Moving onward and upward. Number nine here. Um, For me, number nine is Up in the Air. Clooney. Yeah. I've never seen that one. I wonder how often that's going to happen, too. I've never seen Up in the Air. That is going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it will happen from your list to me, but I am surprised that one from my list to you has not. Um, mm, I'm not necessarily surprised at that. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Post. Okay. Yeah. So up in the air is just like, it's very, it's like very easy listening, but at the same time, it's like a deep pop song like we had that episode a few years about uh, i took a pill in ibiza it's like oh this is like a very easy movie to watch but at the same time it carries a bunch of other themes and it's aging really well because it's like a really a phenomenal snapshot of like post-recession america which um does really well and the it scares me that a a post-recession snapshot can be aging well right now. <laughs> we're that, yeah. we're that old. Yeah, and the first like, I don't know how long it is, but like the the first half an hour of that movie of just like you get that Clooney voiceover and just like him describing this very like niche lifestyle and just the aesthetic. Everything about that movie is just like, I could put that movie on at any time and just be like, ah, you know, and I don't even know if I, if it was one of those ones that had that initial, like, wow, I love this movie. I definitely really liked it when I first saw it, but mm-hmm. every time it comes back on or I see it again, there's, you know, something else that I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. You know, you get a little JK Simmons in there. Um, yeah. Anna, Anna Kendrick, who's on my list of honorable mentions, so she's on there twice almost. But 
Yeah, really fun. You should watch that movie. I think you would enjoy it. I don't think I'm not sure to crack your top ten, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's well, my number I mean, nine. Who knows? We—that's th- the other thing that I we didn't mention earlier when we were when you mentioned that two people that love movies having completely different movies on their lists. Uh, we also have very similar tastes. Like, not even we like a lot of the same movies. I bet your top ten would be. I would. Yeah. There's probably not a movie on there that I don't like. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, my number nine is Stand by Me, which is surprising that that's the only Stephen King movie that cracked my top ten when I had Shawshank and Green Mile on my runners up. Uh, mm-hmm. I told you yesterday when we were kind of talking a little bit about this over text that seven to ten was a really hard uh spot for me like figuring out what even was going to make it into the top 10 and then figuring out where those landed was was difficult uh for some reason the the earlier part of the list i kind of already had formed in my head and then i had to figure things out yeah Yeah. me too it was very similar yeah the nine to six for me was tough because i when i was just looking at my list i was like well I think these, like, when I made the list, like, the first five that I threw out were so, like, I'm pretty sure those are the five in some order for me, but, yeah. Stand yeah. By Me. Stand By Me is one of the ones I've seen here the most because I saw it when I was so young. Uh, somebody, who was talking about it on a podcast, I think, recently? Uh, oh, no, it was a, it was actually last night I was watching one of those autocomplete interview videos. Have you ever seen those? No. Those are funny. I forget who does them, but it, it, they'll have celebrities and it'll be like, they'll have a, a board that has all the Google autocorrect. Um, uh-huh. like and this was this happened to be Dave Franco and it was like, they'll type in, is Dave Franco? And then they'll have all the questions that come up on Google for that and they'll have Dave, Dave right, Franco right, right. Them, answer them. Um, mm-hmm. One of them was, what's Dave Franco's favorite movie? And he said, stand by me. And one of those reasons that he gave was that it was his first R-rated movie. Like it was a very formative mm-hmm. i keep saying the word formative um but yeah that was another that was a thing that it was the first r-rated movie i think i saw probably at least the first one that i saw and really understood because it, it just delves into what it is to be young to be a, a kid and even though it's in the 50s and it's totally different than what i grew up as and i never walked around train tracks and i spent a lot of time inside playing video games it still really just gets to the heart of young male friendship and the acting's great. It's hilarious. It's it, it really it was one of my favorite movies. Obviously, as it's on the list. Yeah, I think I've only seen it one time, but yeah, it does do an amazing job of getting at that young male friendship thing. Even if it's you know you haven't done those things like you described, like obviously, but you get that sense. You know, you get the feeling when you're watching, you're like, oh, it just, it takes you back to the thing that was like that for you, even though it's not the same. You know, like, you're like, oh, I remember when my friends and I would camp out in someone's backyard in a tent. And like, it's like, that's, you know, the. It gets that that sense of wonder of being young and like. Yeah. That everything's new and there's this freshness and. Uh, and and then as a movie, which is it also weird because it almost deals with the uh, disenchantment of that wonder. Oh yeah, so absolutely. That might, maybe that's why it, you know is able to. Which and when you see it when you're that. super young, you almost can't even understand that part. And then you get older and you realize mm. that, that that that's buried in there as well. It it also has one of the factors that I consider like important 
for a classic movie that I wasn't even thinking of when I was going through this list particularly, but I I've thought about this before, is that as you're watching it and when you're watching it with somebody that hasn't seen it especially, almost every scene you're like, oh, this is that scene. Like, oh, this is the scene where this happens. Like, oh, you got to watch this one. It's, it's so good. And you have to, like, stop yourself <laughs> from saying that every single scene from to the person sitting guy, next yeah. to you. Yeah. You're like, oh, oh, pay attention to this one. Or, like, somebody gets distracted when they're watching it for the first time. It's like, watch no, this scene, though. This yeah. scene's so good. you got to watch this one. Yeah. And this this has a lot of that in it. The leeches scene, the scene with the, yeah. the pie-eating contest, um, sitting around the campfire talking about whether or not Goofy's a dog. Like, amazing. Right, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 hey, pay attention to this guy, though, probably more valid nowadays that people are always on their phones and stuff if you're sitting in someone's apartment or house watching a movie. Yeah, I shouldn't have to feel bad about being that guy. You should feel bad about making me be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> back, back, definitely annoying back when people were just sitting there watching <laughs> when yeah. there weren't smartphones, but yeah. Okay. For sure. Eight. My eight. Number eight. You want to go ahead with your eight? Do a little flip flop. Go ahead. Yeah, let's flip. Let's flip a flop. Let's flop, flip, flop, flip. Anyway, put on your flip flops. My eight is the namesake of our podcast, The Graduate. Oh my gosh, very nice. Yeah, Um, I mean, if anybody's listening that hasn't been listening from the beginning, uh, just drifting comes from the line in The Graduate where uh, Ben's dad comes and asks him while he's floating in the pool. Ben, what are you doing? He says, just drifting here in the pool. And that, yeah, God, that captured that feeling of after graduation life so, mm-hmm. so accurately. The movie's hilarious. Dustin Hoffman's great in it. Um, I mean, it's one of those movies that if you tried to explain the plot, people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. this guy starts seeing this older woman and then he falls in love with her daughter and it's just absolutely absurd, completely off the map. But it's it's hilarious and just a really, really, really well written movie. So yeah, yeah, that's why it's, it's number eight for me. We might end up saying this a lot, but like that really is like pretty much a perfect movie. From yeah. the way it's filmed to the writing to the acting to the soundtrack, which is iconic. It's yeah. yeah. This oh, oh yeah, unbelievable. Not to the mention the, and, and I think the and then it's all tied together with that you know the theme that it throws across that shit with like what that where, last year where, you, go, so where are you going in your life yeah yes I think I think of that scene probably potentially more than any other scene that I think of in any other movie just that moment where he just looks and there's like oh what the fuck do we do right now like there's so many times in your yeah, life where I, you're I, like mm-hmm. what do I do and that's the scene that you think of uh. Yeah, and then the cinematography in it is unbelievable, too. Some of the, the shots in it are just so... I mean, the poster, the under-the-leg shot, how do you beat that? Yeah. Like, that's going to be... It's got to be one of the most... Um, one of the most uh, homage used. What? How would you say oh, that? <laughs> A movie yeah, that has... Replicated, you know, is, even. <laughs> yeah, called back on in other movies, yeah. you know it's probably in the top 10 of that if that was a category you it's know? close to it's close to self-parody at this point because of how often it's used but putting yourself in the, there's a, there's like the literally actually in the 60s. have you ever seen this movie what's the movie called like there's actually like a whole nother movie based on the movie 
um, was like, was it Jennifer Aniston or someone? I think it was Jennifer Aniston. It's not that good. Can't remember I don't the know. name. L- Lacey would know. But there's like a movie that's like, oh, it turns out that was a real thing. And like, I'm her granddaughter of Mrs. Robinson. Like, you know. Oh, that's um, crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's intense. Okay. Um, number eight Wait. for me. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is going to be the only Michael Bay film in our top tens. Um, it's going to be Armageddon. Okay. Um, That's, I mean, Transformers Dark of the Moon is my number one, but. <laughs> Sorry to step on your toes there. But I guess we'll talk about it now. <laughs> we'll talk about it now. <laughs> going undercut. Um, but yeah, I mean. For the long-time listeners, we literally did a entire podcast based around Armageddon with Andy McGee. It is, at the same time, ridiculous, action-packed, and heartfelt. And really another one where you, or where I remember, I think it's one of those things where this, I feel like, I don't know if this really happens anymore, and I've there's at least one other movie on my list that was discovered in the same way, but you watched it for the first time, like on TNT, you know? Yeah. And you were like, Oh my gosh. And then, you know, so it's almost, it's almost too, because you didn't even see the whole thing. Cause who knows what was cut out of it. And you might've even jumped in like, you know, it started at eight, but you're tuned in at eight thirty, So maybe you missed like, you know, five scenes, which in Armageddon doesn't really matter. Cause the first 20 minutes, <laughs> I don't know what, what they're doing but um but yeah it has the moments at the end that make you feel the right feelings that the movie wants you to feel and i think we talked about that last time when we had the armageddon episode but i mean a movie that's able to do that that's an accomplishment in and of itself you know if it's still it it gives you know every time the guy talks about you know can i shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man i've ever met i mean i'm getting chills right now yeah. just yeah thinking about it um saving the world you're saving the world it's it's fun it is it is like you know one of those movies that's that you know i mean for all the crap michael bay gets he is like he is like a, a guy you know like who is just in some ways transcended um, the movie he's, industry for the past 20 years. He's one of those people where if if you need to get the job done that he does, he's the guy to go to to do it, right? Like, yep. Yep. He's, the, he's the best at what he does. And what he does isn't making AFI top 100 movies, but what he nope. does, he's good at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I haven't seen the bad boys movies or all the transformers but i think this is easily his best film um yeah and it's my number my number eight so movie. my number seven is deep impact no <laughs> <laughs> elijah wood no my number seven is that too my number seven is I think a lot of people might say is the best movie on my list here. Uh, 
if we wanted to go objectively. But I think I'd argue against that even if, well, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. It'd be hard to argue against it. Anyway, with enough build up. Number seven, Casablanca. Bogey, Mm. Bergman. That foggy plane at night. Here's looking at you, kid. I don't know. What can you say about it? It's a great it's like one of the greatest movies of all time. It's amazing. Yeah. I think another one I've only seen once. Due to your, you know, diligent AFI work, I think you're gonna have more old movies than me. Like yeah. Armageddon might be the oldest movie on my list. Oh no, it's not. Um but I have yeah, I have yeah, two. I've only I have seen two it once. More, but yeah, I have two more older movies on my list. One of which I know for sure you've seen, and it might be on your list. Uh, the other of which you maybe have never seen before. But yeah, Casablanca. Um, it, it's just it's a per, it's it, it's a perfect movie, as we've said multiple times when it comes to this list. Uh, you can't you can't come away with as many lines as casablanca does and not be just amazing like the the memorable ones that here's looking at you kid i think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship of all the jane joys and all the bars or all what all the you know in all the world all the, the, she yeah, had to walk into mines play it again sam like just it, it they don't end there's too many of them and it's it's an amazing movie and if you haven't seen it you should and i know that's probably going to be a big gap on a lot of people's lists because it's an old black and white movie, but it, it keeps you engaged the entire time, and it's it's romantic and it's it's hard to watch too at times because it grapples with some things that are that are difficult. But great movie. Yeah, um, number seven for me is gonna be Rounders. Shouts oh. shouts to Brian Coppelman. It's BK. Um, Second movie so far on my list that does the voiceover, which, oh. which I personally really um, I'm a fan of. You know, I know it's one of those things that sometimes you hear like the absolute when people try to be like talk about screenwriting, like don't do the voiceover. But I think they're awesome when they're done well because yeah. the way that that is used in that movie to just introduce you into that world and you got that score at the beginning. It really is, it's like a, it's a really tight kind of sports buddy cop movie that delves into a really specific world. Um, And I mean, some fantastic Ed Norton, as if he's ever not, but Worm is one of the all-time, all-time buddy characters. have you that's seen one, Rounders? I was I was just gonna say uh, I, that's one where we're we're flip flopping because that I've seen that maybe once and right. I probably should see it a couple more times to get the full effect. Yeah, there was I, a period a few years ago where I probably put this in my top five. I haven't watched it in a while though, but yeah, I mean, John Turturro's fantastic in it. The it's easy to rewatch, which is something that, you know, kind of comes up in most of your top. I mean, how, how can that not be a factor, right? Yeah. In your top absolutely. 10 movies, but 
yeah, Rounders is number seven for me. I don't think I have much more to say. I like it. Uh, give us your number six. Let's flip-flop again. All right, number six, flip-flopping again. Um, this is the one that I think we will both have in common on our lists. It'd be hilarious if you had a number six, but I think you probably have it higher. Um, it's a wonderful life. I do have it higher. That's my <laughs> that's my numero dos. Yeah, can't believe can't I believe thought... you dropped that down to six, man. Yeah. Hey, so, we're so... splitting hairs here on the top ten. You know? I, I'm telling you, man, that would not be there by the time your your round got to pick. <laughs> it, it would yeah. snatched yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, yeah, if you want Gronk, you got to take him in round two. Um, don't you, don't you yeah. dare compare George Bailey to Gronk. <laughs> Um, but yeah it's a wonderful life I think it'll probably be the only one that we have in common on our list but I mean what what can you say right that's what I was expecting same thing with Casablanca like (laughs) it's crazy Uh, that it wasn't really successful when it was initially released right like in like a lot of ways like critically or financially it was kind of just like another Christmas movie or is a that like people, a legend? No, I as far as I know it was it's fairly true. It wasn't I don't think it was necessarily a bomb, but it wasn't it was like panned, but it didn't yeah, it wasn't like oh this is about to be a classic that people watch every single Christmas for the rest of eternity. Um yeah. it a lot of people have an issue or at the very least had an issue. I'm sure it's the veneers probably that's probably not the right metaphor to use. But I'm sure that the <laughs> Uh, the intensity of it has faded over time with the fact that he's come to take over such a um, such a, a legend status. But Frank Capra, a lot of people thought was was very popcorn fluff and mm. not a lot of substance behind his movies. I think you could try to come at It's a Wonderful Life like that and say that it's it's just yeah. absolutely sugar coated and sweet. But I don't know. There's there's some darkness in that movie, and yeah, it comes out happy, but it's a goddamn Christmas movie. It's supposed to come out happy, and I can't watch that movie and not cry, honestly. Like, when they all yeah. start coming in with the money at the end, mm-hmm. yeah. George Bailey, I, I have a, a soft spot for Jimmy Stewart because he absolutely reminds me of my grandfather, and mm. there's one moment in that movie where... It's when they're at the dinner table early on in the movie, and I forget what the maid, the maid's running in and out and like mm-hmm. yelling at George for doing whatever he's doing, and he just does this wink that was the exact same wink that my grandfather used to do, and like it just reminds me of him every time, and it's such a it's like it really pulls my my heartstrings. It's it's just yeah, one of those. Movies I know exactly that, the wink you're talking about. Yeah, right. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those movies that it just hits everything the right way and it's it makes me so happy. Yeah. And while there's there certainly is like a version of this movie where if it was made like with the same plot, but you know, forty years later and it had not Jimmy Stewart and um not Donna Reed, like and it's all of a sudden it's it's just like a lifetime movie almost. But I mean, it's phenomenal. It's it's like he said, it hits, it pulls at the heartstrings. 
in all the right ways. And it, you know, it has, you know, a decent commentary on what it, what our lives should mean. And, yeah. It, it... You know, you could say in it, I don't think it's, and I don't think it's almost not in an overly sentimental way. And it's sort of like the, I don't know. I'm sure there are movies that have explored like the, oh, if you didn't exist thing, but I mean, this was like the first one. If you did it first, you, you know, yeah, you get props for that. Exactly. Yeah. It just, it just took on the battle of what's the meaning of life. No big deal or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I, I can't say anything better about that movie. It, there's also this factor too with me where I don't know if it's a similar thing with you because, but where my parents would like watch it every year for Christmas. Right. But so like I'll, I had like vague memories of like them watching this black and white movie, but then there comes a point where you almost like graduate or you get to this point where you're like, Oh, this is that movie. And then you're like, Oh, I kind of remember this. And then you like, you've seen it before kind of, but there's that time when you watch it for the first time for real. Um, that sort of really, melds it into your memory for forever really yeah i i honestly didn't have that same experience because it wasn't a movie that was on in my household when i was younger during christmas Mm -hmm. time i saw it for the first time in high school i think which Mm -hmm. almost i kind of like that because i can at least write out the nostalgia factor to an extent that like i love this movie for what it is even though right I think I still obviously would have loved it if I watched it every single year since I was five, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite movies and shouts to elf, which is the second best Christmas movie of all time and (laughs) didn't make my list, but very close to making that list. I don't, I, it should have been at the very least in my honorable mentions. I don't know why I didn't write it down because that movie's amazing. I was wondering if elf would actually be on your top 10. (laughs) It was, I was thinking, honestly, I kind of forgot about it when I was making this list and it could very well be in there over memento i don't know it's but no but it can't be it's weird because i almost would have it take the spot of stand by me which is weird because you'd think that it wouldn't like if it took the stand by me spot that should push memento out but i think memento it's weird i don't know it's anyway. like when the the play-in game in the ncaa tournament somehow ends up being like an 11 seed instead of like a 16 seed yeah um. exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so we're getting we're getting down to the top half here. Yeah, well, I, you just cracked my top half because I'm, yeah, I'm missing one on the, on the way You're down there. My number six. <laughs> my number six. Uh, my only Scorsese movie that I have on here, Goodfellas. Yeah, I knew this would be on yours. This falls into the category of. Danny, how could you not have seen this movie? Um, so I'm going to have to let you run with this one. Well, there's really, I mean, yeah, there's not much to say about this movie that hasn't been said before. Scorsese right. is, is an unbelievably amazing director. I've, see, I've seen so many of his movies, but this is the one I've seen the most. And this is the one that if it's on TV, you have to sit down and watch it because it's just unbelievable. It's It traverses uh, all... It's one of those movies that shows you how epic of a scope a movie can have just in terms of one person's life because it really starts when Henry Hill is young and gets to when he gets to the point where he's... It, it, there's, a, there's a moment in the middle of the movie where it, 
it kind of peaks and then goes downhill and the Copacabana scene, the soundtrack, like all the things, all the things are amazing. <laughs> Everything about it's amazing. And that's all that needs to be said about it. There you go. All right. Number five for me. No, it's going to be a, I've seen it. You haven't. So this is good that we're going back and forth is, um, princess Mononoke by Hayao Miyazaki. And it's almost like, you know, that's the one that I'm choosing but like semi stand in for like all the stuff he does. But this is my you know favorite of his. Just a real mm-hmm. quick note in here, because that is definitely a movie that I knew was going to be on your list. I wish I, I wish we had written down what we thought the other one's top 10 was going to be. Even not necessarily in order, but just like to I see which almost did that up. last night too. I almost did. I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And I forgot to. I thought about we that last done night. That. You definitely would have gotten more than I did because I've kind of put out there what my top 10 are to an extent, or at least my top few. Um, and I'm very vocal about it, but I think I would have gotten at least a few of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I did mean to cut no. you off, but I'll let you keep going. So it definitely has a nostalgia factor to it, but I think the second criteria that I have there really has a big hand in me putting this on the list not necessarily for the movie itself where I do, you know, when someone's like, I haven't seen that. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to watch this. I'm excited to see how they react to the movie, but almost in the sense of like, when you would be like, Oh, we're going to watch this. They're going to be like, Oh, we're going to watch this anime. Like, you know, there's a certain stigma that comes with, you know, the anime genre, but it's get It's when you get to be able to sit someone down and be like, no, watch this movie. And they see it and they're like, you know, just to see their reaction afterwards. Yeah. is incredible i love the i love the dubbed version i love the way the um the voice actors they have in there um i think billy crudup uh billy bob thornton mini driver i want to say um really all do a phenomenal job the plot and the themes fantastic and obviously the animation you watch it and you're like you can't believe it came out in 1997. Um, but just an amazing movie. And anyone who is would like to be like, oh, I want to check out some anime, but I don't know where to start. Definitely a good place to jump in. That's number five for me. I like it. I like it. Uh, and then, so we might be going back and forth on too many movies here that neither of us or one or the other hasn't seen. But I don't think you've seen this one. Correct me if I'm wrong. My number number five is Double Indemnity. I have not. I knew that would be on your list, though. That would have been one that I wrote because of your vocalness about it. <laughs> yes. I, well, it's it's an amazing movie. It's one of my favorites. I watched it again recently, and it just it's really it holds up. up for me. It holds it holds <laughs> up after 19. I'm gonna look it up. What what year it came out here? Uh, but yeah, that's that was um my last old one. That 1944. I had here. 1944 damn man and billy wilder is unbelievable like the scripts he writes the way he directs phenomenal it's it's just a perfect noir movie like Mm -hmm. it's got the murder mystery it's got the femme fatale it's that dark black and white (laughs) And it was one of the first 
noir movies. It just some of the lines that come out of it. The like, this is one of the ones that has the voiceover too, and the voiceover is amazing in this movie. The um, I was thinking about that anklet. Like it, it's one of those movies that I'm sure not a lot of people have seen, but you should you should watch it. Everybody, everybody it's watch crazy it. how those some of those like really good movies from that time period can just suck you in like yeah. you mentioned i think in your honorable mentions rear window but that was like on some weird channel the like a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and i like threw it on and i like i like watched the whole thing like it was just like yeah well, this is what i'm doing now like um, those old movies should be on more channels more often because how much they can't yeah. possibly be expensive to put on right yeah, like they're almost like some of them have to be almost like uh, what is it like public domain at this point? Public domain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. They should be they should be on more because yeah, if, if Double Indemnity was on TV all the time, I would be watching it constantly. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, number yeah. four. Let me number four. Well, actually, no, you do your number four because I don't even think you've seen my number four either. <laughs> the okay, last yeah, three we'll at least. My you number will four. Seen. I'm gonna go yeah. out on a limb and say you've seen my number four. And I have a decent amount to say Shrek. about this one. <laughs> yeah, Shrek 2. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be Wedding Crashers. Oh, yeah. And so here, I've been thinking about this when I've been thinking about Wedding Crashers recently, where there's a certain movie, right, that everyone kind of sees, a certain type of movie that you watch when you're too young to watch it the first time right Mm -hmm. so there's this aspect of like you know forbidden fruit i get to see this so automatically you're gonna just like laugh at everything because you want to get it all and you're gonna be like i saw this movie right Mm -hmm. and then it becomes rewatchable and then it ages because then now you get more of the jokes and i mean Wedding Crashers has all of that for me. And I'm also a sucker for a good rom-com, which this isn't really, this is more of like a buddy movie, but it, it throws in that Rachel McAdams, right? Yeah. And Owen Wilson relationship. So it really has everything that I love in just like watching a movie. Um, and the way you sort of talk about like the way Memento or uh, these movies show you like, wow, this is what a movie can do. Sort of in some ways, Wedding Crashers did that for me too. It's like this movie, movies can be hilarious and still be awesome and just, you know, um, yeah, just phenomenal. Every, almost, I like, I could probably laugh at almost every line that is said in this movie. <laughs> and it just packs in so much. And then it gets to a point where you're just like, this part is funny just because you know you end up quoting it with a group of friends and it's not even intended to be funny but now when you watch you laugh about it because you're thinking about that yeah so, yeah, yeah i agree I, I didn't i kind of had a blind spot on my list of, of these uh and while this one i don't believe was officially part of the crew um that judd apatow r-rated comedy renaissance that happened in the 2000s Mm-hmm. I don't really have anything on there, and Superbad is one of the ones that probably could have 
at the very least been an honorable mention for me. Um, I think I don't think role models gets enough credit for what it does. Uh, <laughs> there, yeah, there are a lot of those movies that are just unbelievably hilarious and 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 really heartfelt. And this is definitely one of the better ones. I I've seen it a few times. It doesn't it doesn't get up there for me. Uh, I don't know I don't know what the disconnect is on this one. I mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's hilarious. There's a couple maybe things that just don't hit the right way for me or i felt like could have been done better i don't know what it is but yeah. it's like the opposite it, like there is everything that hits right for me like there is a there is like a part of me that like wants to like be like owen wilson in that movie you know like <laughs> i don't know what like just like everything about it. like i want i like i want to like end up on an island in maryland like and having to say oh yeah let me just go change my shoes after dinner and going and putting on different shoes. And I mean, it's, it's crazy how deep that movie runs with me. Yeah. I think maybe part of it is that I I really, um, I feel like I associate myself more with Bradley Cooper than with, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, it's a great movie. I, I I agree it's a great movie. Let me see here what we're looking at for number four. Uh, again, I don't know if you've seen this one. I don't think you have, but you should. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, you have seen that one? Good. I okay. have. That's good. <laughs> uh, Paul Newman is one of my favorite actors of all time. And... It was really hard not to put both Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Sting on this list, but both of those movies are so similar. They're very much the same movie, but in two different settings, but totally different movies. Like they both stand up on their own completely, mm-hmm. but it's it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford and George Roy Hill and uh, Butch Cassidy is just I think just hairs it out as a better movie. Um, it's hilarious it's quotable it's action-packed it the acting in it's amazing paul newman and robert redford like how can you i don't know if you can say anything more than just paul newman and robert redford yeah, yeah i've only seen it once and it was a while ago so i could not do the scene by scene breakdown of this one um but yeah i probably would have thrown that on on your list i'm predictable you're just predictable dave predictable dave that's what they say that's what they call him i'm wondering if my next one would have been on on your list of my list but go we'll go to your three first seeing as you've got three left and i've only got two now (laughs) (laughs) yeah so number three for me was for a big portion of my life number one uh, on my list like easy answer but breaking down here right now it is not, and that's Goodwill Hunting. Um, yeah. So, this is another one in that same sort of like Armageddon vein of the first time I saw it, I saw it on TV, and like I distinctly remember it too because I knew that there was a movie called Goodwill Hunting, right? And 
it must have been like a Friday night or something. And, and I was like young, you know, young enough that like you, you know, it's maybe like 11 or 12, I guess I must, you know, maybe you still had a bedtime type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we were watching the end of something else. And then it was like, Oh, Goodwill hunting is coming on. And I was like, Oh, that's that hunting movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because I don't know. It's actually really funny that you say that because I was just thinking that, like, when I heard of that movie, I, like, was thinking of Goodwill. Like, (laughs) like the the secondhand clothing store, and I didn't know what it was about, but, like, that was the image that popped into my head, like, when I was younger and didn't know. Goodwill hunting? Goodwill, like. (laughs) Kind of like a storage wars, but, like. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, sorry. Goodwill hunting on the History Channel. But. I don't know if my dad was like, no, this is like about this, you know, janitor that is actually a genius or something. And, or if I like hit info on the optimum thing and I like read the description, but it was like, it must've been like 10 30 or 11. Maybe it wasn't, it was only like 10 o'clock, but it was like just starting. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And my dad was like, do you want to like, do you want to stay up and watch it? And I was like, yeah. And I just like, Phew. And that was it. Like for 10 years, that was my favorite movie, you know? And yeah. the, the janitor, the street rat is a genius was just like, mm, that's it. That's the, that's the best plot you could have as a movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then Robin Williams is just unbelievable in that movie. Guy's a genius. I know, yeah, and then that doesn't even go into then the actual movie. You know, that's just like my relationship to it. And then you get, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, the movie itself is amazing. The script is phenomenal. Acting is great. Just giving the world Matt Damon is just a wonderful gift that we got. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. yeah, that's the second time Ben Affleck has appeared on my list. And I was going through that too. I was like, oh, I wonder like what actor it's on the most so that's the second time Affleck and second time Damon shows up on my list here yeah that's that is interesting you you really love those two big Boston boy huh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah I don't know if I had any repeat actors <laughs> I'm trying to see here no I don't think I have any repeat actors on my list which is weird I mean I'm sure there's maybe like a, a secondary character somewhere that but maybe not because they're all kind of taken from vastly different times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Goodwill Hunting number three on my list. Yeah. So my number three is another one that you might have put on my list, but I guess we'll see. The second Christopher Nolan movie, which is the only repeat director I have, I believe. Dark Knight. Hmm. I think the Dark Knight is a is a perfect blockbuster movie, and this it, it may be similar to the way that you think that Armageddon is kind of like that. Yep. Um, yep. it's just a it's a perfect movie to sit in a theater and watch with popcorn, and Heath Ledger is unbelievable as the Joker. I hard I'd be hard pressed to think of a villain that I like better than Heath Ledger's Joker. I think that it's the spectacle is unbelievable. 
Has it swung to the point where it's almost like underrated because of how much people say it's amazing? <laughs> Has it come I full think, circle yet? I think it, I I would say so because yeah, people yeah. hated on it. Well, especially after Dark Knight Rises came out, I feel like people weren't happy with that whole uh, universe that he had going there. And there are, I don't know, I guess you can nitpick flaws in it, but it's hard for me to find them. Like, every single actor in that movie, I mean, like, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Michael Caine, uh, what's-his-face, who's Aaron Eckert. <laughs> what's his face what's his what's his his faces half a face how many face whose face who's got a face anyway you almost got it right there we go unbelievable unbelievable movie um yeah i remember i remember first seeing that and not in theaters though did you see it in theaters i think i did maybe not though i might not have seen it in theaters i don't know not one hundred percent sure. Yeah, really blows you away though. If you when you you know one of those movies you see it and you're like, oh my god. Especially it was right at the beginning of the superhero movie renaissance. And was that was that like a year before Iron Man? When was Iron was, Man? Because that was like the kickoff for the MCU, right? Was well, Iron I mean, Man two thousand eight. Let me, let Iron me Man was 2008, yeah, and Dark Knight, I believe, was 2007. Yeah, so... Oh, no, Dark I mean, Knight was 2008 also. So it's so it's like the, you know... It's at the kickoff of that, and it is all... Isn't that the reason... Wasn't that what has the Academy shift to, like, now... I mean, maybe they shifted back, but for a while it was like, all right, 10 movies nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, threw things Dark out Knight of whack because nominated. of people. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly Is it back true. down to less, though, now, or is it still, like, 10? There's a weird rule now, I think. I don't think there's a specific number, but there's some thing that they do. I don't know. We'd have to look it up. But yeah, outside of being like a personal, you know, favorite and relationship to it, I mean, if you're to be a a superhero movie to get that sort of critical acclaim is, you know, I mean, now change it's becoming game. a little more commonplace, but like, yeah, change the game. It and it's it's a two and a half hour long movie that feels like an hour long like or an hour and a half because it just keeps you so invested and intense mm-hmm. the whole movie yeah from the opening scene to the very end yeah uh and i didn't even mention gary oldman too and morgan freeman like unbelievable <laughs> and Morgan Freeman, by the way, these two amazing yeah yeah by the way by by the way two of the best actors like in movies today also in that movie yeah yep okay so well you know my number two yep and so we'll go to mine so two and one i was i had it i was splitting hairs here and these are at the same time more recent movies but i've seen them both enough times um number two for me in some ways i think it's just 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 absolutely perfect um and that's in bruges the uh colin farrell movie and yeah here's an here comes another short story about the first time that i saw it but good it was like a summer maybe before senior year or after senior year i don't know when it was but it was like you know 
it was like almost one o'clock in the morning, I want to say. And I was just sitting there like, uh, you know, should I go to bed? Should I watch a movie? And I it's like, I'll put on this in Bruges, like maybe. And like, if, it's, if I'm like into it, if not, I'll just like turn it off, turn it on and get that, you know, just shots of foggy Belgium Bruges at night. And then get another voiceover <laughs> sucker for that mm. voiceover. And, you know, just immediately sucked in. Um, and then it ends and it's, you know, two thirty in the morning and I'm like, no one's around. Like, I got to tell someone about that, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> uh, you know, cause I hadn't even like heard anything, seen anything about it. And just the dark comedy genre is one of my favorite, favorite types of movies. And this does it so well. It has such phenomenal dialogue and tackles like morality and ethics in such a fantastic way in so many ways, like the overarching um, plot where the um, with Colin Farrell's character and what he deals with. And then, you know, even smaller scenes where I think he, he, punches a woman because <laughs> yeah. he's like well she was coming at me with a bottle and it's like well a bottle. and they have another discussion about it. so it really it just strings together all this stuff um yeah and it's i agree it's, it's an amazing so movie. good and it's tight it's not too long it's just yeah it is and it it's one of those movies that the plot isn't just laid out right away you kind of find you're finding your way through it yeah you're kind of going through that bruce fog like it uh, Brendan Gleeson is unbelievable in it as well. It's not. Uh, it's, I never would have been like, okay, let's take, let's take a movie about the mob, like a mob killer, and then just like, just like it's shrunk down to this. We're gonna t- put it in this tiny city, and it's just this this small window between when he's like. I don't. I don't want to give away too much of the plot. People haven't seen it. Yeah, because like the Netflix description that I read when I was like, I remember it was just like, you know, two hitmen are asked to lay low in Bruges for a few weeks after a job or something, and I was like, yeah, That's and perfect. like when you read that as the description, and then you get in there, it's like wow, and you you do you peel back the layers as it, you know, it uncovers them, the fog dissipates, but at the same time, it's just amazing the scene with who's is it was it gleason is that the guy who is the uh, uh the other the, guy that's not called the other guy is brendan gleason is the actor's name I, I don't know what brendan gleason yeah, yeah yeah brendan gleason his final scene is just unbelievable with the uh raglan road starts playing and it's it's like haunting and magical the whole time you know, it really yeah. captures the place and it just, it hits the theme out of the park. It's really, really awesome. It's my number two movie, Dave. Number two. Almost it, number one. It It's well-deserved. So, obviously, we talked about my number two movie as It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Don't need to go any further into that. My number one movie, you know it. I know it. It's the greatest movie of all time, Dan. Whatever you're about to say as number one, it's, it's wrong. 
is really what it comes down to. I we really don't even we can end the podcast after we discuss this because I don't right. I don't really need to hear your number one. Uh, All right, let's hear Jurassic Park three. That's it. That's the one. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, now, hear me out. <laughs> they will die on this hill. I will. I will stand and fight on this hill until I am. A bleeding how many, pulp. How many Oompa Loompas could you defeat on the hill, Dave? None. They are wily. <laughs> I wouldn't mess with an Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Uh, Gene Wilder is an absolute genius. This movie is perfect all the way through. Actually, no. I, I cheer, cheer up. Cheer up. Cheer up, Charlie. Sh- shut up, Dan. There's one song that's not good. It's Cheer Up, Charlie. We don't talk about that one. We ignore we that song. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. It's a it's a great movie otherwise. Um, it's the thing is though, is you don't watch that movie in a theater. You watch it on VHS when you're little and you skip that song. And you just get a second to go get a drink or something. Yeah, no, it is. It's like it comes on and you just like you emotionally like sigh and you're like, Well, I guess I can go do something else, or at the very least just stare into space and daydream about something. Yeah. But it's at the perfect time for that because it's it's kind of the transition between the yep. the first part, which see, it's that movie is is genius and people forget how good the intro is because there's a good portion of time between where the movie starts and when you get to the chocolate factory, and there's just these little vignettes in the beginning of the candy shop is obviously amazing and Mm -hmm. the teacher is unbelievable when he goes on that little riff about like well the test has been moved to tomorrow which is now the things that we're going to learn today like or it's (laughs) and asking charlie how many chocolate bars he's eaten and um there's the little things of like the woman whose whose husband is is kidnapped and they just want her last box of wonka bars and she's like can i think about it (laughs) yeah it's it's hilarious. It's unbelievably funny. The dialogue is amazing. Gene Wilder delivers some of the most amazing lines as as Willy Wonka. Um, it It's one of those movies that you watch as a kid and you just see that chocolate factory and you want to be there so bad. Like It really unbelievably creates this world that just is something that's so real and so visceral that you just want to take a bite of that damn teacup it's yeah it's an unbelievable movie and the behind the scenes stuff is amazing too when you hear the stories of gene wilder talking about how he needed to um he would he would only do it if he could walk out on the cane and then do the flip because then you'd never trust him for the rest of the movie and uh there's that there's a line that I read a while back that I absolutely loved, and I wrote it down. It's one of my favorite quotes that Mel Stewart, the director, said about the office at the end of the movie. Because you remember at the end of the movie, his office, just everything is in halves for Mm. no reason at all. And it doesn't make any sense. And he Mm. said, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make sense, but it makes great nonsense. Yeah. That line encapsulates that movie and it's, perfect and it just it makes me so happy that's i i can't say anything more 
It's the best. It's the greatest movie of all time. You at the same time can't say anything more, but at the same time could go on for three hours. Yeah, well, I mean, I could quote it for the next forty-five minutes if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, we could we could do the audio version right now if you'd like. Uh. Also, another another quick mention of uh, my grandfather, which is probably the first time I've ever talked to my grandfather on this podcast, and now it's the second time <laughs> He's getting a lot of this play. particular podcast. He, um, Grandpa Joe, like, just reminds me of my grandfather, and it. it he's just such a an unbelievable character um jack albertson is perfect in it uh, charlie remember when you asked me how a bullet comes out of a gun like <laughs> uh, um it's just phenomenal love it yeah i love how much you love it <laughs> good good you should go watch it tonight Remind yeah, yourself what movie it is. Right after the podcast ends, I'm throwing it on. Good. Okay. All I don't right, have well, a ton of time left, Dan. I gotta go. Number work. one for me. Let's, let's get some number one here. Number one is going to be another W movie. It's gonna be the way way back. Yeah. And it's 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 so good. It's so good. I think you're the one who introduced me to it. Um, but I think like the, to go at the core of like why it's number one on my list here is just, I mean, you can say this about a lot of movies, but there is something just absolutely universal about feeling like the outsider and just, you know, feeling left out as a kid, you know, awkward. And then discovering a place where you belong and yeah. this movie just it just it's crushes that it just yeah. crushes that you know and it's like an it's like an aaron judge connecting home run <laughs> just yeah. so far out of the park mm-hmm. the yeah it's it's very similar to stand by me in that way that it really captures that moment of childhood uh mm-hmm. in, in a great way and having had like a summer job at a, in a beach, you know, coastal town. It's it's amazing, and Sam Rockwell is a great character in it. the The kid, I don't think, gets enough credit for how good he is. Yeah, um, but he is truly amazing. Um, Steve Carell in Tony Collette. What's her name? Is it? Allison Janney, she's like unbelievable. That first scene where she jumps in is like one of my favorite all-time scenes when they get there and she's just, yoo-hoo, and oh my God. She captures that type of person so perfectly in such a funny way. Steve Carell also, I kind of almost forgot he was even in it. He's so good in that role. Um, Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an unbelievable movie. I agree with that. It was very close to being in my, uh, in my runners up. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I hesitated putting it on because it really is amazing. I think I need to see it one more time and then it'll be so, at the very least an honorable mention. <laughs> I looked up the, uh, the actor because um, I was like, oh, I wonder. I guess he's still pretty young. Wow, he's only. I guess he's twenty one now. That's crazy. But. Um, Liam James. He looks exactly the same. 
Yeah. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. I just looked him up, too. Um, it's great. But, yeah, amazing cover, too, um, for the movie with him under the water there. And Maya Rudolph, just an, all, an all-star cast. And the, um, what's his name? The Dean. Jim Rash. <laughs> I mean, he wrote it, right? Him and Nat Faxon. Um, yeah. Just... Yeah, the movie's the movie's funny. It's heartwarming. It it really takes you to the place that it is. Like in the same way that In Bruges does, it really puts you in the in that place. And yeah, and movies yeah, that are able to do that's a thing that like you know you'll hear people talk about like you know I mean, we listen to the watch a lot and they'll say like this movie could be in any city you know, um, and movies that are able to really nail the place which seems like something you wouldn't care about really really grounds a movie in a way that um is impressive yeah i agree and it's and it's almost easy to do that in a place like new york like right where that is it becomes a character on its own without you even having to try but to do that here in this kind of like upstate water park area it yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Where actually where exactly is it located? I think it's actually like on the Cape. I think it's like in On the Cape. Yeah. I think it's in Massachusetts, but I don't know why I was thinking upstate New York for some reason. But Yeah. Well he's just from, road trip he's at the from upstate New York in the movies from Albany. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense which then. Is that makes sense. Another great scene with the um teenage girls on the beach and <laughs> Yeah. They, the guys are having to catch with the football. That that whole exchange is I can't help but just die laughing at that whole scene. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every time I every time I hear the song I need a hero, I think of Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yep. I I may or may not have like used that same bit multiple times in my time managing at Target. Um when I'm I not surprised to, do to hear that at all. <laughs> at all. Bonnie <laughs> Tyler? No? Okay. Well <laughs> <laughs> No? Okay. I need a hero. I need a hero. <laughs> um, but oh, there's something else I was going to hit on. You said the part about Sam Rockwell does a thing with the bit and that. I can't remember it. You were oh, talking well. about the, the football scene on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, no. it's not coming to me. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll rehash it on a later episode if it if it jumps into my mind. Um, but yeah, well, it, it it hits at everything. It hits at everything that I love about a movie, and yeah, that's my. I think it, one. I think it's well deserving of the top spot. I one of the I think honestly the biggest reason it didn't make it higher up for me was the how how recent it it, it is, and I think in a couple yeah. of years I could definitely have that one in my in my list or at the very least honorable mention um, yeah okay let's why don't why don't you just give us a recap run through your top 10 uh, and then we can wrap it up yeah so going back over it for those number 10 the prestige then we have up in the air armageddon rounders it's a wonderful life princess mononoke wedding crashers goodwill hunting in bruges the way way back and dave you're you're 10 
from 10, I have Memento, Stand By Me, The Graduate, Casablanca, Goodfellas, Double Indemnity, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Dark Knight, It's a Wonderful Life, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And that's a wrap, Dude, folks. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed doing this. I, I very much enjoyed doing this, too. I hope it doesn't turn out when we listen back to it to us just being like, I loved this movie. This it movie might, was good. But <laughs> it might a little bit. I love Sorry for anybody that listened through. <laughs> I have wanted to almost like make this like an, uh, write an article where I just kind of talk about my top 10 movies. So maybe I can expound on it and do that still now that this has given me sort of some structure. But yeah. It was a lot of fun uh, for Just Drifting. I am Danny Lemon. Up north on the other line is Dave Centoponte. You can find him at Dave Cento on Twitter. Find me at Mr. Daniel Lemon. See you next time. See you. Okay, I'm actually cutting it a little close for work, so I will see you on the flip side. You have a great day.